All right, everybody, welcome to episode 130 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I am with the co-host with the most, Drew, excuse me, at DR underscore PRA. Drew, how are you doing? Good, man. Glad we're making it happen. Yeah, my, uh, you're doing a lot better than my laptop right now, which is, uh, (laughs) Still trying to somehow work through updates, even though I updated it last week. So, might be time for a uh, for a new setup here. But uh, as another story for another day. Um, <laughs> it's all right. We're we're in that season, Drew. Um, news is slow. We we got a little nugget here. Uh, we got Jarvis Landry to the Saints. How do you feel about that, man? What what are you thinking? I like it. Uh, I'm, as most people I think know, I'm I'm relatively low on on Michael Thomas at this point. Uh, I don't know that he's really going to be uh, any more than you know a shell of what he used to be when he was the wide receiver one a few years back. Um, I think Landry will fit in well, and he he brings a skill set that's worked uh, both in Miami and uh, worked in Cleveland when they let him run there. So. Uh, I think he'll be good. I think it'll be good for uh, you know for Olave to see a guy like him put in the work. I, I always got the impression that Landry was committed to his craft, wanted to be really good at it. So uh, so yeah, so I think it'll be good for them and uh, hopefully bring a little little veteran presence uh, at the wide receiver position that's had some success. So I I like it for him uh, in general. Yeah, I, th- I think this is. I don't know what it is for Jarvis Landry. I don't think it really boosts his fantasy value at all. But it's more interesting from the NFL angle because, I mean, it was Traquan Smith and, you know, insert random wide receiver here, insert random tight end Adam Troutman, Josh Hill here. And I know a lot of people are low on Michael Thomas, but 50% of Michael Thomas is better than 120% of Traquan Smith. So um, that's an upgrade. Uh, Jarvis is an upgrade from whoever was wide receiver two. And yes, I said wide receiver two. (laughs) They had Callaway for some deep balls, so he'll be around, I guess. But you know, and, and you know, obviously they they moved a lot of capital to get Chris Olave in the first. So, um, the wide receiver room has definitely become uh, a lot more talented place in uh, in New Orleans. So, good move by New Orleans. There's, you know, it's actually funny. There's a few teams that could have uh, could have used a. Jarvis Landry and for whatever reason opted uh, not to do so. So we'll see what happens with Jarvis. See what he still has left in the tank. And that's it. That's the news. This time of year, you know it, Drew. We're uh, yep. we're, we're struggling for bits and bobs. Last week was, was kind of cool because we had like Sony Michelle who could be, you know, a little interesting guy to have on your bench and you know, uh, but this year it's just Jarvis Landry on his own and you know that's it. So uh let's let's move to what 
we saw on the timeline. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to cheat a little bit this week. We got some coming from a couple of different chats. We're in on GroupMe and some uh, Twitter DMs here. So the first one's from Ari Roth in one of our GroupMe chats. Uh, hey, Josh, just a question for you for potential use on the pod. Uh, in another league, we've got taxi squads that have no limit to the number of squad spots, just a limit of time of three seasons to keep them there without burning up uh, an actual roster spot. And players that uh, cost a roster spot, if you move them up, it looks like they can't be relegated back to the taxi squad again. So um, you can keep them there for a few years. But once you promote them, they're promoted, and then you got to do something with them, either start them, cut them, trade them. Uh, so it sounds like Ari's trying to contend this coming season, and he thinks at least one of his rookie picks this year will be able to help him. But he's uh, he's been searching for some articles or opinions on when to make the activations and promotions, uh, but didn't find much. So he's looking for thoughts on how we go about considering when to make a promotion from the taxi squad to his regular roster. Uh, is it as simple as if you'd start them, activate them, or anything else that uh, you'd be thinking about? So, yeah, I don't think it's as simple as if you would start them, bring them up. Because what's your team trying to do in 2022? Are you a contender? Well, if you're a contender and you have a guy or two or three or however many on your on your taxi squad, that are consistently performing, yeah, you should bring them up. You should, you know, even if it's just on your bench, knowing that, like, hey, by we fill in, possibly, or maybe they take, you know, like a wide receiver three spot or a running back two spot type deal. So, um, yeah, you know, if you're contending, you do that. But if you're trying to get that 2023 101, Keep those guys on your taxi squad. Why? They, they're not going to do you – they're just going to take up a bench spot, which, who knows, you can find uh, you can find the next guy that no one even thought of, and there's a guy or two every year. You know, uh, last year it was probably K.J. Osborne, who, you know, no one drafted and no one took a – you know, in the rookie draft, and, you know, people were spending fab on him, you know. Or you need to pick up that backup quarterback off of waivers because, you know, a starter got hurt. Keep them on the taxi squad. Don't even use the bench spot. Just um, just keep them there. Keep losing those games, hopefully, and get yourself the one-on-one. Uh, so that's one thing I can think of right away. Um, another thing I can think of is I know certain leagues um, – Guys can get poached off of the taxi squad, you know, for like a, a third round pick or a second round pick or something like that. And then, you know, you have to make the decision to either trade them to the team making the trade offer or you have to bring them up. So that, that's another thing I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, what about you, Drew? Do you have any other criteria that you use when you're trying to decide to bring someone up from taxi? Yeah, uh, it sounds like Ari uh, wants to compete this year or thinks he could and uh, is just trying to figure out the timing if or when one of his rookies hit. Um, I think when you're looking at the idea that you can't relegate them again or demote them back to the taxi squad, I will typically let them go for a couple weeks and see if I think they're the real deal. Or after that first blow-up week, maybe they have a, a great week two or week three. 
I would see if somebody else maybe wants to trade that older vet like Amari <clears throat> Cooper or somebody like that for this up and coming, you know, guy you have on your taxi squad. Uh, depending on your rules, sometimes if you trade taxi to another team, they can stay on that team's taxi since they haven't been promoted yet. So you can play a couple different angles there and, uh, you know, kind of let the other manager uh, take on some of that risk of, is this the real deal? Which again, if it's a first one wide receiver and it's, you know, let's say Jamison Williams comes back healthy in week five or six and his first, you know, maybe by Thanksgiving, he's actually contributing, you know, getting some targets. And you think, oh, maybe I could use him for a playoff push. I, I spent a first on him. I'd probably hang on to him at that point. But if it's maybe it's a second round guy like a, a David Bell or a Mechie or somebody that you you spent a, a mid to late second on and you're, you're still not 100% sold personally, I would see if somebody else wants to, uh, by that point, maybe they know they're out of it. They don't want the points. They want to get rid of, uh, you know, maybe Jarvis Landry has fit in real nice with the Saints by week six, seven, eight. Maybe he's getting seven, eight targets a game and he could put you over the top too. So um, I wouldn't promote him too early when you can't demote him again. Uh, and I would be looking to trade some of those second round guys that maybe look like they might pop and see if somebody else wants to assume the risk there. If uh, you're looking to compete this year and you could maybe lock in a more, a more certain contributor. So that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. So I don't know if you had anything else to add there, Josh. No, no, I think that's a, a really good point as well. You know, Taxi Squad, it's funny because I love Taxi Squad and I hate Taxi Squad all at the same time. So, um, Taxi Squad, if I was in a situation like that, I think all the leagues I'm in Taxi Squad, you can promote and relegate as you feel for rookies. So it's kind of just like, all right, maybe I need, you know, yeah, let's uh, you let's use David Bell. You mentioned David Bell earlier. Uh, maybe he's been okay, and I need to bring him up because you know it's a bye week. I've had a couple injuries at the wide receiver position, and maybe David Bell's got to go into the flex for me or wide receiver three. Um, it's nice to be able to bring him up, and then the next week I get guys healthy, guys are off a of bye week, and then I can just drop him back down again and not have to worry about. Uh, using the bench spot but in a league like this I mean you you have to be a lot more judicious with who you bring up and when you decide to bring them up because if you know a a favorite of of both of ours let's you know use Garrett Wilson yeah like it would be awesome to you know week one he blows up he goes 10 for 120 and a touchdown and we're like, woof, all right, New York Jets offense, they're cooking. Yeah, Garrett Wilson is that dude. And then you bring him up, and then week two, it's two receptions for 22 yards. And you're like, oh, maybe maybe I pulled the trigger too early on that. And then, you know, weeks three through five, you're getting very similar performances. And, you know, he was on your taxi week one probably anyway. <laughs> And then you now you have five weeks of not being able to use them, and you're taking up the bench spot where you kind of could have weathered that slow start and um, not use the bench spot. So it's all you know. A lot of it is kind of like feel. Sometimes you're just like, all right, like I've seen, you know, three straight good weeks, or you know maybe three out of five weeks or something like that. And you feel like, okay, this guy I think is. He's getting in the groove. He's there. The team is playing well or the offense is playing well. And 
then you push them up. And then sometimes, you know, you get excited after a week and you push them up. So it's tough. I, I definitely err more on the side of caution. I want to see kind of a, you know, a nice, you know, month of good play. I don't need uh, wide receiver one or running back one numbers in all of those games. But I also don't want, you know, I don't need running back 30, uh, 36 week or 236 weeks or something like that where it's like, okay, like I could have just put in, you know, Devin Singletary or Tony Pollard or something like that and kind of gotten the same result. So, um, yeah, be, I would say, Ari, be judicious when you decide because once you do it, uh, there's no turning back. All right, Drew, what do we got next on on here? Got a, a repeat uh, guest here for a question. The Ogre, I think he asked something or they asked something last week at No Good Nick. Yep. Uh, should I trade Mark Andrews for Mac Jones? Only quarterbacks I have are Heineke, Watson, and Mond. Uh, if I want any shot at this season, I do it, right? I already have Hawkinson also at tight end. Uh, and it looks like we discovered through the, the thread here that this is a 12-team non-tight end premium. Uh, what do you think, Josh? A- Andrews for Mac Jones to uh, bolster his QB room a little bit? All right, so I want to pull the curtain back here a little bit. Um, no good Nick had, uh, he had sent me this, uh, probably two or three days before I responded. Cause I got, I got sick over the weekend, actually lost my voice. I'm glad I got it back for, uh, for the episode here, but, um, was kind of just, just fighting something off. So, um, when I got back to him, he said, look, I already made the deal. So he had, he has traded, um, Mark Andrews for Mac Jones. I wish he had held off because I would have advised him to not do that. It not being tight end premium takes away a little bit of the sting, but not enough of the sting for me to to feel okay about it. Um, there's actually a link there, Drew, where you can see his lineup. And this is a very, I don't know what to think of this team. Um, assuming that this is his starting lineup, which it looks like it is, because he had actually mentioned in one of the other tweets that uh, Raheem Mostert was starting in his uh, super flex spot before the trade. Um, so I, w- I would have advised him if I had been healthy and had gotten to this um, as quickly as I normally get to people who uh, ask me for advice keep Mark Andrews and, um, you know, patent pending, I would have used the, uh, Rocky Petrella approach for this team. Trade a second for Tom Brady, trade a second for, uh, you know, what's another old quarterback that, you know, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, perfect example. Trade a, you know, uh, no, that's not a good example. I was going to say grab yourself Marcus Mariota. I just don't like the weapons around Marcus Mariota more than I dislike Marcus Mariota. I just don't like the weapons around him. I feel it's Kyle Pitts and a, not much else in Cordell Patterson. But, um, yeah, like get one of those guys that everyone is just like, uh, this guy is old or 
this guy, you know, trade a third for Baker and just he's gonna play. Like all this business, he, oh, you know, no team has traded for him. Guess what? QBs get injured. We've seen it happen a million times. They don't like the backup. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is still out there. You know, there there are guys that you don't have to give up a lot of capital for. Hell, try to trade a second for Kirk Cousins. Everyone hates Kirk Cousins, even though he's a quarterback one every freaking year. We hate him. We don't like him. The community hates him. And if you're lucky, you know, a high second or a projected high second will probably get the deal done because we hate Kirk Cousins. You know, things like that. I don't like, and I understand in Superflex, if you want to get the quarterback and you're not giving up a quarterback, you have to overpay. But this is an overpay. I almost would have rather tried to trade TJ Hawkinson for if Mac Jones was the target for Mac yep. Jones. Um, that would have that would have been my play if I had to get Mac Jones. But to be honest, I I would have really I could probably would have actually hit up Rocky and been like, hey, give me like three quarterbacks that you really like that like you would go out and try to acquire. I know, you know, Tom Brady would probably be on that list. Matt Ryan is a really good one too. He would probably be on the list. Mm-hmm. And use yeah, some, Carson you know, Wentz. Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's another good one. Carson Wentz. Hell, buy low on Danny Dimes. Yep. <laughs> Maybe it's a mistake, but at least you would still have Mark Andrews as a trade chip if it's a mistake. Because Mac Jones was the best rookie quarterback last year, but the bar was set very low. And I don't know if, you know, what was he last year? Like QB 15, QB 16? Like the Buffalo game definitely hurt. (laughs) Yeah, the Buffalo game did definitely hurt. Um, But do do we expect much more? I mean, I don't think anyone is really predicting Mac Jones QB 1 this year. So... You're looking at a QB 15, 16 performance again. All right, cool. Like, I would rather keep Mark Andrews and just buy a year of Tom Brady. Tom Brady would, would have been the first guy I told him to go after. Try to get Tom Brady. Yep. You know, maybe he's maybe he's on a team that's trying to rebuild. And you go, hey, I got a nice, shiny 2023 second. We all love 2023. 2022 was garbage. That's that's what everyone, including myself, has said. 2022 is garbage, but 2023 is where we get all of our hope back. Yeah. Pump up those 2023 picks and go, Tom Brady's not playing next year. He's got like a $5 billion contract to, to announce games as soon as he's done. He's not. He's going to one more year of getting hit. He's going to be, what, 78 years old after the season's done. Social security's coming. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna go announce games and make even more money if that's humanly possible than he is being a, a professional quarterback. So yeah, I think most teams would be like, yeah, a second for a guy who won't play next year, deal. And now you have a guy who can be a quarterback one. <laughs> like 
I don't care that he what he's gonna be forty six this year. Is it forty four, forty five, something like that? I, I, and that time I wasn't trying to be funny, but I I mean, I know he's <laughs> in his mid ish forties, so yeah. um, you know, again, it's dynasty. Forget we don't even like guys after they cross over to thirty. Never mind being in their mid forties. And a guy that we know probably is not going to play next year. So pump that up. Say, here's a 2023 second. But um, his team is interesting. What do you think about this, yeah. Drew? Yeah, I'm looking in. It's it's start 11, so it's fairly deep. Um, I definitely, if you're going to go and do Andrews, um, I, I would have recommended pushing for a second piece as well, whether that's a future pick, whether that's another running back, because it looks like James Robinson and, and Raheem Moster are still in the starting lineup. Um, <laughs> so, so is Devontae Parker, which I, I understand. You know, you're looking at 132 players off the board in this format to start. Um, I'm guessing benches are fairly deep, so you got to do what you got to do. But, uh, yeah, I, I immediately went to what you said, Josh, with uh, let's go down to Hawkinson if it's got to be Mac Jones. You know, um, and if it's Andrews, uh, I would definitely be looking for a second piece back that I could either trade into another startable piece or, uh, you know, for Andrews, gosh, if, if I, somebody offered me Mac Jones in this format uh, for Andrews, I would be looking to get, he's got Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, quite frankly, I'd be looking to get like a, a Derrick Henry back or something, you know, just mm. go all in on this year. Yeah. Um, see what you can get. Uh, you know, a couple of guys that are aging, maybe coming off injury. Uh, you want to go younger, you could probably get, you know, maybe like a Travis ETN, you know, thrown in if you want to keep that theme of running backs that are coming back off of injury. Um, so yeah, I wish I wish uh you had some some uh some chances to go back and do that one again. But I love that you know you're active and you're trying to make things happen and, and you're committing to the year. Um you have you have the uh, the starting lineup. Is this a three wide receiver? Yeah, it's three wide receiver, two running back, tight end, uh, three flex, and a super flex. Yeah, because I, I think I remember. Can't remember who his wide receiver one is, but I know he has Garrett Wilson and Devontae yeah, Parker. Debo. Who's his number one? Debo. Man, why don't? Especially because this is a start three, adding another piece. Why don't you get a guy that's a little bit a wide receiver that's a little bit older, coming off of a quote unquote down season? Stephon Dix. Like, people are like, <coughs> excuse me, people are like, oh man, Dix had one good season, he stunk, which he didn't. And get him, get him kind of on the uh, on the downside. I like that a lot. Um, we'll actually come back to a question about digs here in a little bit, but I want to throw this up from our our friend here, recovering Ridley Truther. Uh, what do you feel? What do you feel about buying Jimmy G and Baker? They're basically free right now. Got to think they'll at least get one more shot somewhere. Maybe a value bump. Can't really get much worse. So you mentioned Baker as one of those guys. <laughs> Jimmy G came to mind for me as well too. As you, know, somebody should get at least one more shot. Um, you know, I th- I think you know. Baker's a, a couple years younger, so it's possible maybe he has a, a better chance to to get there, especially with the draft capital that he had. But I don't know if that matters anymore after his first contract. Uh, but I like both those guys. If you can get them 
cheap. I've got Jimmy G on a couple teams and I'm not letting him go. I've had people throw late seconds, early thirds. And at that, at that <laughs> value, I'm going to hang on to him. But if you can snag him for that late second, early third, or, you know, a future, a 2023 third, because the class is so good. Um, or if you got multiple seconds next year and you think uh, you want to take that gamble to add some depth, I like it. Yeah. I mean, I would probably, if I wanted to acquire one of these two guys, I'd probably go after Baker first. I think there's the better chance of him starting earlier in the season and starting more games than Jimmy G. But the thing I think is interesting about Jimmy G is he might be starting games for the 49ers. I mean, I, I saw, you know, I saw a tweet today. Apparently, San Francisco was still telling people that, you know, they weren't able to trade Jimmy because of the injury, because of the surgery, and blah, blah, blah. And there's probably a lot of truth to that. But Trey Lance started, what, one game last year when Jimmy G was hurt? Like one full game and a couple parts of others. Right. So throughout the year, the coaching staff is watching both of these guys, and they said, Jimmy G gives us the best chance to win games. And by the way, they did make it to the NFC Championship game, and you can put whatever percentage of that you want on Jimmy Garoppolo. But they did make it to the NFC Championship game with Jimmy Garoppolo behind center. So, you know, that ha- and the fact that he hasn't been traded, man, it just makes me think that he might be in San Francisco the entire season monetarily. That sucks because I think he's due to make like $25 million. And if he's not starting a bunch of games, having a $25 million backup is not good business. I mean, I guess it's okay when, you know, you have a rookie first-round pick. But, yeah, I mean, I would try to go for for Baker because either a team like Carolina or Seattle is going to cave because, look, I mean, hey, Matt Corral could be a thing. I, I don't want to count Matt Corral out before he, you know, takes a snap in the NFL. But, obviously, he lasted – a lot longer, as did all the quarterbacks not named Kenny Pickett. But he lasted a lot longer than most people thought he would. Um, and Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. You know, Seattle has shouted from the rooftops that they're not taking him because of, you know, because he is who he is, I guess. But, I mean, Drew Locke and Geno Smith, I mean, if your plan is to try to get the number one or number two overall pick in the draft, that is the quarterback strategy. you, you want to have. But, man, talk about wasting a year of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's career if that's the, the route you decide to go. So, yeah, I mean, I'd probably go Baker first. but That's, that's interesting that you say that because as of right now, <laughs> one of them is still a starting quarterback, right? In theory? Yes. On paper? In the, I, I think... I don't even know if it's on paper. I'd be curious what the what the hour lads uh, depth chart has right now because um, that would be fun to see. Um, I don't know when those have been if those have been updated lately, but um, let's see here. 
It looks like they have. Drum roll, please. Wow. They have Trey Lance slotted in as QB1 right now. All right. So, but I don't think either one of us would be shocked if, nope. you know, walking out to the field week one, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I mean, that, that's part of why I'm holding them because that's that's <coughs> a realistic option. And honestly, if he gets tra- if he gets traded, he's going to start. Like if he gets traded to Seattle, uh, sorry Drew Lock, I'll talk to you later. Sorry Matt Corral, I'll talk to you later. Like he's kicking those guys out. Like they're not they're not starting. And if an injury happens and he gets traded, well, he's replacing whoever that injured quarterback is, so he's starting. So, um, yeah, I mean that, that's a great point. Um, you know, I would go Baker first, but I don't. Start throwing thirds out there. Yeah, whichever one you can get, really. Like, look at look at your your league, and if you're not the guy that owns one or both of those guys, a 2023 third. Like I said, Drew, we gotta start hyping up these 2023 picks because it's like, <laughs> listen, 2023, you're gonna find guys in the third round. Yeah. This isn't 2022 we're talking about. You can find guys. And listen. I'm not a Debbie guy. There's so many great Debbie podcasts that if you want to know that stuff, uh, I can recommend a bunch. But that's what we're all thinking. We're already thinking like, man, 2023, man. It's going to be so good. We're going to find guys in the third. Maybe even the fourth, we're going to find guys. that's That's how we're hyping it up right now. And I'm telling you, I bet you Jimmy Garoppolo can be had for a 2023 third. Now, I have him on a team. You ain't getting him for me for a 2023 30. But I don't know if the majority of Dynasty players feel the same way about Jimmy Garoppolo as we do. So test the waters, you know, and, and see what happens. All right, Drew, what do we got next on the list there? All right, we've got uh, Kerry, let's see, Chaitoff, at Kerry Chaitoff. Uh, question for the show here. Uh, loyal follower, appreciate that, Carrie. Uh, do I trade away in Dynasty AJ Brown for either Bateman, Chase Edmonds, Miles Sanders, one of those three, and a 23 first and third? So one of the three players of Bateman, Edmonds, Sanders, <coughs> packaged with a, a first and third next year um, for one AJ Brown who just landed in Philadelphia. Right, what do so you think? For, so, first of all, if I'm going to pick one of those players, it's going to be. Chase Edmonds, because that that Miami backfield is looking like a like oof, that that's looking like a place I don't want to be. Um, I think the trio of players, one of those three gets bundled with the picks. Oh no, I know, I know. Okay, so the player I would pick out of those three, because it's only one of those three, or is it all those? No, it's one of those. So he has, or they have AJ Brown, and they're going to get one of those three players back plus the picks. Okay, I was I was thinking about it the other way. I was thinking that he's trying to trade for. AJ oh Brown. yeah, well we I mean we could do both both perspectives. Um. So, all right. So okay, if he if he's getting the package, then I would probably go Bateman with the first and the third. Oh, and that'd be enough to to move AJ Brown off your team. So we have we have to treat this like a like a random 
23 first because we don't yep. know. Yep. You know, was this team in the championship last year or was this team picking 103? We don't have that information. So we have to treat this like a 106 and a 12 team. Pretty much dead middle. Like, yeah, I think I do it. I mean, we're and, and this is this is a value play. This isn't more of a oh, I think the guy who's there at 106 is going to be better than AJ Brown or the combination of that player and uh, Rashad Bateman and a random third. But it's the value because guess what? It's going to be impossible during the season to get 2023 first off people. Like we've we've been talking about this class for what two years now, three years now. You're you're going to have to pry. You're going to have to pry those from people's cold dead hands. Um, so I think the value increase on that first is going to be insane. And we have to we have to look at you know, I know Eagles fans. I know you know. That network brother, friend of the show, Rocky Petrella, has got to be excited with all the moves that uh, the Eagles are making. But there are a lot of question marks about what's going on around A.J. Brown. Because, in my opinion, throwing-wise, it's a downgrade at quarterback. I think... Tannehill's a better thrower of the ball than Jalen Hurts. It's also, there's there's more pass-catching talent around A.J. Brown than there was in Tennessee. Devonta Smith, first-round pick from last year. Dallas Goddard, you know, and then there's, you know, some other, you know, much smaller pieces. But those are two guys that are talented players. And A.J. Brown really didn't have a whole lot of that when he was playing in Tennessee. So um, a couple things I think we need to look at. I think A.J. Brown is an amazing player. It was a great football move by the Eagles. But for fantasy, there might be a dip. And if you are buying, hoping you get the same top five wide receiver potential that A.J. Brown had in Tennessee – it might be more of a top 10 thing or a top 12 thing if he stays healthy, which is another thing that A.J. Brown has struggled with. So if you can give me Rashad Bateman, who has had his own health issues, but that 23 first is really where it's like, as the season goes on, that thing is going to be a major piece in your arsenal because if you are performing well, that first is going to be able to, buy you a big piece or maybe uh, a few slightly smaller pieces. And if you are, uh, if you're tanking, you have a first round pick that can be, that can help you move into the one one or that can just be used to, you know, take a guy to help you rebuild on your team. Uh, what do you think about this, Drew? Yeah, I, I struggle with this. I think my, my gut reaction is, um, I could I could make a case for taking a package here. Uh, I I am not a huge AJ Brown fan. Um, I think he and the Titans benefited. He specifically benefited from a lot of the play action that was there in Tennessee. 
Um, you know, Tannehill, yes, was a better passer, put more more passes on him uh, when he was running some of those routes, whether it was over the middle or some of the deeper balls. Um, I think he and, and Hertz will do pretty well together. Uh, I think they've got the rapport. I think they'll work it out. Um, I like how Hertz can continue to uh, extend a play, and I think Brown is savvy enough to figure out how to take advantage of that as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right that the value of the first will continue to grow. So if you can get a hold of that, um, I like you, I will typically go kind of worst-case scenario. I'll treat it as like a 108, 110 in my mind and then hope that it goes up from there. And then really you, you choose which part of the package you think is going to be most helpful to you, um, you know, this year. So if you're trying to compete and want points, uh, if you need running back depth, great. Sanders is a fine, fine option. You still get a piece of the Eagles offense because Sanders is one of those guys that kind of dodged a bullet there in the draft and didn't have anybody uh, really drafted around him uh, at running back. Um, if you like Bateman or you need the wide receiver depth, because maybe it's a start three, uh, that's a fine move too, especially now that Hollywood Brown is gone. So you can make a case for either of those guys. Uh, but I think you're right that that first and that third, and especially if maybe that third, maybe that third gets you another piece you need this year. Maybe A.J. Brown turns into uh, Bateman and uh, Jimmy G, like we were just talking about, uh, along with that 2023 first. And you've got an opportunity to backfill. Maybe Jimmy G's not a starter after this season. Maybe he's going to be a backup somewhere and his contract <laughs> tells us so. And you get a shot at, CJ Stroud or one of those top quarterbacks coming out next year uh, to backfill after you have a good season this year, you know, kind of patchworking it together. So I, I like the flexibility in, in uh, the bundle side. And I think you're right that the 2023s will just get harder and harder to get. So if you've got an outstanding offer to get one, I'd be hard pressed to turn it down. Do that. Do that. All right. Great, great question. Uh, what do we got next year, Drew? We got a couple more. Tommy Blair at FF Tommy B. Uh, I was hoping that was Tommy Boy, classic movie, one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> love it, love it. What is your your greatest strength as a dynasty manager, and how did you get good at it? Uh, I'll start. My my greatest strength is that I care too much. Uh, uh, no, for real. Um, you know, I I think uh, we talked about this with Bobby Cash a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I think I've grown in my patience when it comes to dynasty and the willingness to to go through a, a rebuild process. I know a lot of people on Twitter will tell you, you know, if you're really, if you're a really good manager, you'll, you'll, you'll flip the team in a year, right? It'll take a season and you can do it, but there are some teams, maybe you take over an orphan or something, or you just had a catastrophic draft um, and it takes an extra season. And I think that's where I've gotten a little bit more patient over the last few years and uh, had a real test last year, sitting on a couple teams where I, I actually earned the one Oh one, and uh, I've been trying to accumulate some more future picks as well. Um, and then uh, likewise, uh, kind of going back to our first question around the taxi squad, um, not moving rookies or young players too quickly that I think should be doing better. Um, fortunately, I learned uh, uh, this lesson in redraft and not in a dynasty league. But one of those early players a couple of years ago was Justin Jefferson. I drafted him late and it's actually a keeper league. So I, I lost out on keeping him the next year. Um but uh, I, I drafted him super late, um, double-digit rounds. It's like my wide receiver six. And by week three, I just had enough. You know, he wasn't living up to what I expected, so I dropped him. And, uh, you know, within a week or two, I was deeply regretting it. Couldn't trade for enough fab to get him back. Um, and <coughs> that's been one of the, the pieces that's helped me 
really kind of figure out. I'd rather sit on some of these these players, especially wide receivers. And then uh, on the flip side, I think I'm getting better at letting go of some of the running backs a little bit earlier, um, where I, I might have been more likely to hold on to a guy like CMC or Derrick Henry a little too long. Um, but those are a couple of things that I've been working on over the last couple of years. How about you, Josh? Um, it's funny because I think my my greatest strength is actually in startup drafts is is actually drafting because I think it's so funny. You hear a lot of different theories about how you should draft. There's you know there's zero RB, there's hero RB, there is um, you know. BPA, best player available, you know, everyone has, you know, like, hey, this is the way I do it. This is the way it should be done. This is the way everybody should do it. And I I take a completely different thought process into a startup draft. Um, now, I'm ta- now, I do want to clarify here. I'm talking about a traditional snake draft because uh, – I was in my first auction dynasty auction draft with Drew uh, about a month ago or so, and that's a totally different beat. So this is, it is. this is strictly uh, snake dynasty startup. You have to go in. I go in with no preset strategy because I think the best way to attack a startup draft is to allow the other teams to tell you what their strategy is and then counter effectively. Because guess what? I can go in with a zero RB strategy. But what if eight other teams are going in with a zero RB strategy? So now if I am the last pick of the round, I have to get the eighth best wide receiver in the first round because I need to go zero RB or I have to maybe get, you know, the fifth best quarterback or the third best tight end, whatever the case may be. Um, and and th- this progresses during, you know, all the way through the draft. If you are stuck into a strategy, uh, I was in a, in a startup very early. I think this was January and I saw early that, a lot of people, probably more than half the league, was going zero RB. So I went RB heavy. I said, well, if you're going to let the value drop to me, oh, I'm going to take these values. And, you know, yeah, my wide receiver group is, you know, it's a little, little touch and go. There's a, you know, I dra- you know, I drafted Odell before he got hurt in the Super Bowl. So that was, that was painful. And, you know, I'm – I'm going to have to figure things out. You know, I, I used a couple of uh, – I drafted a couple first-round picks. So I have Garrett Wilson and I have uh, Christian Watson so that, that you know, Bobby relying on rookies year one, which is always, you know, dicey proposition. But, um, you know, it's all – it's all you know, so I always go in there because guess what? Maybe, you know, maybe five teams are trying to go RB heavy in a draft. Or maybe, you know, you have guys like John Hove who are going to go QBX. What if there's three guys trying to go QBX? Or what if you have three Rockies, you know, QB next? You know, just take the next guy. Just take the next guy. Just take the next guy. So um, you really, you know, don't show your hand. Let everybody else show you their hand. 
and kind of attack. But as you said, Drew, this is from, I played redraft for, let's see, this year is going to be my 22nd season playing fantasy football. I've been playing dynasty now for five years. So I played 17 years, 16, 17 years of redraft before I even got into dynasty. So, um, you know, people, you know, there's always the redraft versus dynasty arguments. Who's better? Why are they better? But in redraft, your, your season is, you know, a percentage of it and a larger percentage than probably a lot of people would like to admit is reliant on your draft. Like, did you draft well? Did you did you find values? Did you get guys in the right spot? And obviously the waiver wire is also very important. Whereas in Dynasty, you can maybe make up for some of your mistakes through trades, through, you know, acquiring draft picks and doing that kind of stuff. So, but in redraft, man, the draft is, is really important. It's vitally important. So you can't, you know, you can't just, you know, in my opinion, you can't just go in with one strategy and say, this is the strategy, no matter what, I'm going to die on the hill because if five other people are using your strategy, you're probably going to die on the hill. So, um, yeah, drafting is like what I have. And even, you know, in Dynasty rookie drafting, I've like I have fallen in love with that process, looking at guys, trying to find things that maybe other people haven't seen and you know, exploit those, you know, weaknesses. And like, sometimes you get, you know, sometimes you do and sometimes eh, it just doesn't work out. But um, I, I, I have been, I think, lucky. I, I don't want to say good because I feel like the I have a higher percentage of rookie draft picks that hit. And that's not because I, you know, figured out some secret formula. I just think I've been really lucky when it comes to rookie drafts. So um, Garrett Wilson to the moon, because I think I drafted him in just about every rookie draft Gosh. I've been in. So uh, Garrett Wilson to the moon. Uh, but yeah, um, that's a great question because I don't know about you, Drew. I think you're the same way I am, but I don't want to speak for you. I rarely assess my strengths. Don't, I don't really think about them because I'm always trying to improve on my weaknesses. I'm always trying to get better at the things that I'm not good at. Like, I still, to this day, I am a part of the, you know, Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, and our flagship show is the Trade Addicts Podcast. And I think, I think trading is one of the weakest aspects to my Dynasty game. Like, I like doing it, but... Trades are like a puzzle, and I've never been good at puzzles. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm always feeling like either I'm giving up too much value or um, I'm giving things away for way too cheap. Like the I struggle with the puzzle. So uh, I always look at things like that, like, okay, how do I get better at that as opposed to hey, what's this thing that I do well and why do I do it well? So it was good to see that question and then kind of look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, I can see why this is a strength of mine. And I, and 
I don't know if you feel the same way or if you feel completely different about it. Yeah, I I think I enjoy the rookie draft each year because I feel like I I do my best to kind of tune out some of the noise, um, try to look for the signal through. Again, some some folks that are way more in tune and way smarter, whether it comes to some of the film or I love reading through some of the analytics and looking back at comps and seeing what uh, some of the folks in that space are putting together. Um, you know, I've joined a couple of different discords to, to try to sharpen that part of it as well. Um, I am stretching a little bit into Devi in a couple spots because that's, I think, uh, an area that I can continue to get stronger in. I, I want to have that edge where I think I can uh, continue to maybe bolster that strength. But yeah, I, I would agree in a lot of ways. It's definitely where can I get better? Where can I raise the floor on different parts? And for me, uh, yeah, trading has definitely come a long way. Uh, and, you know, not having to feel like I'm winning every trade uh, still creeps up sometimes depending on who it is because some people just rub you with uh, the offers they send. Uh, but <laughs> but in general, yeah, I, I'm definitely looking for what else can I improve. And, you know, some of it now is processed too because just the sheer volume of leagues that I'm in um, and that it, it is tough sometimes to individualize league by league and have to remember different rules, different settings, uh, who's in them. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's it is a an interesting puzzle if you're willing to take it on and try to to work through it. But uh, hopefully that helps, and yeah, hopefully uh, you know, hopefully you find some things that work for you. And then part of it too is you know, I, I think that's great to kind of expand outside of yourself and where where are your league mates strong. Um, you know, where are they potentially <laughs> overconfident even right? Uh, maybe you do have the person that thinks they always draft really, really well. And, and you feel like, okay, great. You, you take the dart throws, you do that. And yeah. I'll take, uh, you know, I'll take the, the value in the trade because I feel stronger in putting the puzzle together. Uh, and you're going to feel good about getting the extra picks because you know what, you, you've had a track record of finding that late second gem each year. You know, maybe you picked up Davis Mills late last year. Maybe you got uh, a couple of guys the year before. So um, have fun with it and, you know, keep that in mind as you're working with your league um, and, and push yourself. I think that's the other part is it, it's a game. So the only way to get better is to try. And, and that's something that the reason I took up golf, force myself to embrace the suck at something. Um, so, you know, do that with find a league. Maybe it's a, a low buy-in or a free league or something you want to join or uh, something off Reddit or sleeper. And just, yeah, let's, let's try some different strategies, see what works. And then you can take that into something that's maybe a little more meaningful. So good question. Have fun with it. Um, the next one here is from a friend of the show, uh, returning member to the DAP network. If I'm right, Bobby Koch, uh, good to have him back on the airwaves. It looks like he's going to be, uh, popping in more frequently to some of the pods here. Um, <laughs> this was something that he put out there for, uh, Josh, I think, uh, Matt Corral or, Wandele, did I say that right? Wandele, correct. Wandele Robinson. Uh, team sort of needs QB depth because he has Matt Ryan and Russ Wilson. Not much else, but also needs wide receivers. Um, so a little bit, little bit ambiguous here. But uh, where do you fall on this? I think ADP wise, um, Wandele is probably going a little bit earlier than Matt Corral in, in most rookie drafts, but uh, what are your thoughts there, Josh? So, God, the, the, the rookie quarterback class of 2022, um, I, I kind of wish I was back in school. I could probably write a, a, a doctorate thesis on uh, 
what happened and where we all went wrong, including myself, where we all went wrong. Um, after Kenny Pickett, I feel like the next few guys are like, hey, they can all be one-year starters. Like, Matt Corral, bar, barring a trade, is probably starting for the Carolina Panthers for 2022. Does that have value? Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, Sam Howe. Would any of us be shocked if Sam Howell is starting like week seven because Carson Wentz just blows up in a massive explosion? Or because falls prey to a FedEx field. Falls prey to FedEx field, but let's face it, you know, pe- people are divided on Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz had one of the best teams on paper pretty good offensive line great running back decent weapons i don't want to say good weapons but decent weapons and now he's going to washington offensive line downgrade running back downgrade pass catching weapons maybe you say you know it's an upgrade because they you know Terry McLaurin is better than anyone that Indianapolis has. Um, if we talk to Bobby, um, Jahan Dotson is uh, a massive upgrade over anything that they would have at wide receiver two. If Logan Thomas can get back to his 2021 form, uh, it's an upgrade at tight end. So pass catching weapons uh, or skill position players uh, upgrade. So, what if Carson Wentz can't deal with a, a worse offensive line and a worse running back to kind of bail him out when he gets himself in trouble? Maybe we're talking about Sam Howell, week seven, week eight, week nine. Hey, Sam, here's your tryout for, you know, possibly starting for this team. And that that's kind of the upside of those two guys. But Wendell Robinson is just like, he's 5'8", and... One of the things I hear about him is, yeah, he's going to do, you know, he's going to be like the Kadarius Tony. Cool, but A, they have the Kadarius Tony. And two, besides one blow up game, what did Kadarius Tony do last year? Uh, I would probably go Corral because it's super flex, the quarterback. Who knows? Maybe the Golden Corral gets hot and, you know, actually looks good out there. I'm not predicting that, but it's a possibility. Um, But, I mean, Drew, you could argue this either way, and I would be like, that's a really good point. (laughs) You know, that's kind of what the mid to late second round is. It's like, pick a guy you like and hope for the best. What do you think? Yeah. It's funny. It was, didn't even put Golden Corral together. Hopefully, he's more like the commercials and less less like reality, right? <laughs> Very true. Um, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could go either way. Um, if you need wide receiver, I think I would go. If you need both, I would probably go with Robinson. 
Um, if he works out great, you have instant value. So if you're still rebuilding a little bit, you could probably package him up or trade him for a future pick or for, um, you know, maybe another player you like better. I, I think a lot of people are pretty on board with the idea that most of these rookie quarterbacks are going to have a pretty short leash and are immediately replaceable. So I don't know that you're going to get the value back out that you're going to spend with the pick anyways. Um, you know, if you're going to spend the the 302 on Corral, I don't know you get much more than a third back during the season once he gets a start. Um, I think Robinson, you get him for a late second, early third. You could probably flip him pretty quick for a 23 second even, uh, you know, to a team that needs some instant production. Um or just likes the youth, maybe, again, same thing. You could trade the youth for a vet who will uh, give you some stability. So I, I think I lean Robinson, probably like a 60-40 split there. Uh, but the the margin is not so so vast that I, I couldn't see going the other side as well. So there you go, Bobby. We uh, we we split it for you. And, and you know, Bobby told us that he ended up taking uh, Juan Dele. So – um, you know, it, it's, man, what, where does it really like, where do you really go? Eh, just take the guy you like, like what pick does that start at? Cause I actually feel like it probably starts at like 202, 203, where taking somebody, you know, there's not like an obvious pick where it's like, oh, you took, um, David Bell over you know, John Mechie, it's like, okay, cool. Like, I like this guy more than that guy for this reason. And you're just like, yeah, like, I kind of get it. You know, obviously there's a lot of David Bell love, so I'm sure I've ruffled some some feathers on that one. But, you know, it's like. Yeah, I, I just got my first share of Isaiah Spiller in my home dynasty league. And it is one of those. Oh, he was the best option out there. I think I got him at 301. Um, it's IDP as well. So there are a couple of IDP okay. players that push some value down. Um, but, you know, he would have been, a, even with that, he would have been a late second, which, uh, you know, I feel good about that based on a lot of the uh, the rankings that are out there. And um, But, yeah, I, I think you're right. Honestly, after probably after Chris Olave or maybe you get back into, if you're a Sky Moore Christian Watson fan, maybe you can push out to like the 110 or so. So really by... 111 112 you're you're making some judgment and preference calls you know maybe you're drafting a little bit for need more now than you would in the past where there's clear value where you know last year absolutely you know if you if you insert Jalen Waddle into this class who was going in that the end of the first last year you know this year where where does he go 107 somewhere around no 105 Higher? No, because even as a prospect, I mean, he was drafted, what, fifth or sixth in the NFL draft by Miami? I didn't realize he was that early, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he was like, he was definitely yeah, a so top. earlier than London was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, he would probably be the 101 in this class. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, now maybe because Brees is a running back, maybe not, you know, because yeah. we always – yeah. Overinflate the running back. Yeah, a little but, scarcity there, but but he would be 102 at the worst. I mean, he'd be above Drake London, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Just as a prospect, he would be above 
all of those guys. So, yeah, yeah actually, no, I think he was 106. I think Jamar Chase was 105, now that I'm yeah. kind of doing yeah. my math. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, if he was inserted into this class, I would assume, again, that he would be, probably would have been taken with a top five pick. Or an Elijah Moore, who was early second in most drafts <laughs> last year. Yeah, because if we, I mean, if we break down like the, you know, the start of the second round from last year's draft, I mean, it's Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, you know, we're looking at that. And this, you know, Trey Sermon, not me, not me. I, I was banging the drum against Trey Sermon. <laughs> Don't do that. And, and it's funny that you brought him up because, you know, James Cook, a lot of people are, are now comparing to, Trey Sermon. I'm actually not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. But it's probably going to end up that way. The, the risk is there. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, what do you uh, – so James Cook is a part of your team. He's mm-hmm. a part, he is a Buffalo Bill. So how do you feel about James Cook for the 2022 season and beyond? Because – this is like Buffalo's MO. Hey, we got a late day two, early day three pick. Let's take a running back. Who cares? You know, Devin Singletary, uh, Zach Moss. It's kind of what they do. So how do you feel about James Cook and his prospects? Uh, I feel a lot better about him in best ball than I do in a standard league. Um, I, I think he'll, he'll take, uh, you know, the RB2 job pretty quick. Um, I, I think he'll, I think he'll have a good chance to produce. Um, so it'll come down to health for Singletary. It'll be, uh, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. They, they want somebody who can catch out of the backfield. Uh, even if it's for third down, even if it's, you know, it could be for second and third down. If they want to stretch the field, maybe they want to go uh, a little bit more spread. They want to give Josh Allen some room to run if he has some lanes or he wants to get some more of the uh, the weapons spread out and, and let him maybe take some fewer hits. So I, I feel good about him. I think he's going to get decent opportunity. I don't know that he'll get uh, a ton of carries and a ton of catches. I think it'll probably skew more toward, you know, if he gets 60, 70 targets over the course of the season, uh, I think that'd be a solid year one for him. Hopefully he can haul a bunch of those in. Um, you know, touchdowns are always going to be tough in Buffalo. Uh, because when you're inside inside the red zone, it's it's Josh Allen land. When you're outside, you know it's it's Gabe Davis, it's Stephon Diggs that are going out there at this point. Um, I got I got to hold on. I got, I got to throw a flag on this play. You you started naming uh, Buffalo Bill pass catchers, and the first name out of your mouth is Gabe Davis. The disrespect. That's the Fon Diggs guys. One team, man. One team. Slightly, the slightly <laughs> less talented brother of Trayvon Diggs. But oh I mean, a, a great player in his own right. And you go with Gabe Davis. Oh, I, Drew, that hurt me. I, as, as a man. We're family. Buffalo is family. That loves Stephon Diggs. Maybe even more than his. Slightly more talented brother Trayvon Diggs, Gabe Davis. I would have even accepted Dawson Knox, but 
Gabe Davis. Oh, okay. You're one of those guys. If I have any Gabe Davis, I'll uh, I'll try to get a 23 first from you. Oh, my God. Stop it. Wide receiver. I mean, I, I could have gone with Isaiah McKenzie. I, <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie. I, I like Isaiah McKenzie. I don't. I mean, with with the moves that Buffalo made, I, I don't know because yeah. uh, I think Khalil Shakir could could do a little bit this year. You know, nothing crazy. Yeah. I'm not saying you know he's going to Gabe be Davis a, numbers, but you know, <laughs> one game a season. Gabe Davis coming out to play. Uh, but yeah, I I like James Cook overall. I think. You know, I think the somewhere in that the end of the first, early second is about as early as I'd take him. Um, I have a team where in Superflex Army uh, with Bill, we were spit and glue at running back last year. Uh, Kareem Hunt's our best running back coming into this year. Okay. Uh, so we we had the one eleven because we lost to Bill's team in the championship. So we took we took Spiller there. Um, it was down to him or Rashad White, and uh, my co-manager and I are both Bills homers, so that that uh, broke the tie for us pretty easily there. But yeah, I think I think you could have uh, you know moderate expectations for him this year. Uh, it's it's a good offense, and I, I trust that they'll they'll use him in a decent way. They I don't think he's going to handle uh, the lion's share of the load. I think you know Singletary will start out as the RB one. Um, but I, I think at some point they've got to start taking a little bit of some of the design runs off of Josh Allen's plate too. Um, so I think there will be a little bit of volume for them uh, to spread, but yeah, I, I don't think he'll be, he's not going to, I don't think RB one of this class is in the range of outcomes. I feel like that's pretty well locked up already, um, but he could be in that second tier based on the offense that he's in. Can Can I, "Quote unquote hot take," you. I don't. I don't like the word hot take because I feel like when I say something like this, there there is reasoning behind it. I think Isaiah Spiller has a better twenty twenty two than James Cook. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because both high high powered offenses, right, with with really good quarterbacks, uh, decent amount of weapons around them. Uh, Spiller will be tough because he's got Eckler in front of him, who can who is so talented. So it'll be interesting to see what types of opportunities he gets there. Um, but I don't think that's, uh, you know, I don't think it's a, a super low likelihood either. I think it, it's certainly within the realm of possibility for sure. So I, I feel like one of the weaknesses of the LA Chargers offense last year was the fact that Austin Eckler had to do everything because there wasn't really a, a second guy. There was what, uh, Jackson and still had Kelly from the year before. Yeah. Josh Kelly insert bum running back here. And I think if, and uh, this is obviously if Isaiah Spiller can prove that he can do it, I think they want that split. Now don't get me wrong. This ain't a 50, 50 split. This is, you know, like Austin Eckler is, you know, is going to be the leader in that split. But I think they want it more like 60-40 than 80-20. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like a Connor, Edmund, Connor Edmonds kind of deal in Arizona. Ex- exactly. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great analogy. Actually, probably more the way that Dallas should be running Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard out there, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, but, 
yeah, um, I was, that was a great analogy because I, I think that, you know, Austin Eckler, while he is like cut out of stone, I mean, this guy is, is in amazing shape. He's still a smaller guy. And I don't think they want the number of hits he had to take last year to be a theme. Um, so I think Isaiah Spiller is going to be put into an opportunity to, you know, like I said, like a 60, 40, maybe, you know, at worst a 65, 35 split. And, um, I think Isaiah Spiller would be able to do a little something. You know, Buffalo is Buffalo's got so many weapons. Like it it's crazy where you where you start thinking about, you know, they have, you know, Stefan Diggs, they have Gabe Davis, they have Isaiah McKenzie, then they draft Khalil Shakur. They have um Dawson Knox, then they have uh they sign OJ Howard, who Yeah all the talent in the world do can't stay healthy, but if they can figure out how to keep him healthy, uh, you know, that's another weapon. And then you have, you know, Devin Singletary and you add, you know, James Cook. There's just a, yeah. You got um, Josh Allen taking a bunch of it. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, and the, I'm, this isn't to say that Los Angeles, you know, Los Angeles Chargers don't have guys because we can list their guys too. And, you know, it's a, it's, just as long of a list as what uh, Buffalo has, but I think there, I think that spot is open on the Chargers' offense, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure if that spot is really there. You know, they don't pass a lot to the running back now. Maybe it's because Zach Moss was supposed to be that guy, and he was either ineffective or unavailable. But you know, but that we haven't seen their offense do that, so. It'll be very interesting to see, but I'm glad we got a little James Cook discussion in there because the timeline has been kind of like buzzing about why uh, he's being taken in the exact right place or why he is uh, being way overdrafted. So um, it's always a fun conversation to have, especially when we get to talk about a Buffalo Bill and uh, we have, you know, we have a fan of the team. You know, you look at that team a little bit closer than you know, any of the other 31 teams. So it's always fun to kind of get your perspective on it. Sure. But, so speaking of uh, the weapons and Stefan Diggs, I promise we get to one more question about him here. So uh, walk, AKA the gift at walk underscore FF asks, uh, will Cooper cup and Stefan Diggs still be wide receiver ones in two seasons, both turn 29 this year. Um, before I put the results out there, Will both of them be wide receiver ones two seasons from now, Josh? No. I I just and this isn't even a referendum on their skill level. I think they're both still gonna be really good in two years. But we just see wide receivers pour into the league every year. I mean, they come, you know, they come through the draft, you know, and yeah, again, we'll talk about 2023 real quick. Oh, all these, you know, and there's guys, you know, uh, uh, Jackson yeah. Smith and, yeah. and Jigba. You know, we're like, we're already starting to name off the wide receivers. Keyshawn Boutte. Keyshawn Boutte. You know, like, we can go on and on, and we're yeah. not going to. But, you know, not only are we going to have those 
rookies coming in in 2023. But we got to figure there were six wide receivers taken in the first round of the draft this year. One of those guys is probably going to be ranked as a top 12 guy. I'm not going to tell you which one. I think I know which one because I've drafted it that way. But, <clears throat> you know, you know, you got, you got, you know, a lot to choose from. You have Drake London, you have Garrett Wilson, you have Jameson Williams. Like there are guys that, you know, people can make cases for as like, yeah, two years, one of those guys or one of the other guys that was taken, uh, Chris Olave, which I don't believe he'll be that guy, but you know, I can't say for sure. I have reasons why I don't think he'll be that guy, but, um, so one of those guys is at least one of those guys is probably going to be in the top 12. Plus, you know, you're still going to have Jamar Chase. You're still going to have Justin Jefferson. CD. and Yeah, I hope so with CD. Um, he, he, he got I, think, I think he'll be in there. He gets close, but he hasn't been yeah. there yet. But, you know, uh, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, like those guys aren't 28, 29, 30 years old. Those guys are 23, 24, 25 years old. So uh, in two years, it's not, it's not like we're going to be saying, oh, you know, DK Metcalf is 28 years old. I don't know if he's going to be in the top 12. DK Metcalf is going to be 25 or 26 years old. So we're still, oh yeah, he's in the prime. He, we got this. So, um, yeah, I don't think either one will be, and I don't think it's going to be a, it's going to be a talent thing. I think it's going to be more of a, they're going to be old. There's going to be a lot of young, young guys that are, you know, in there and kind of bump them out. Cause we're even talking about that now with guys like Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams who have been dominant for multiple seasons. We're like 27, 28, 29 years old. Ugh, we don't like it. And, you know, they're starting to get bumped out at least in like ADP. They're starting to drop, you know, yeah, so talent-wise, I, I think they're still both going to be great. Are you are you talking uh, rankings, uh, wide receiver ones, or producing as wide receiver ones in two years? Both. Okay. Both. I th- I think ADP is definitely neither one of those guys are going to yeah. be in there. But I think production-wise, I think they're just so many young guys. I mean, what the last three four seasons, we've just introduced like multiple guys almost every season that we have then thrown into, you know, the top 12. I mean, Justin Jefferson comes out, is asleep at the wheel for the first month of the season, and then turns in the best rookie season ever until his teammate Jamar Chase comes out, and he was never really asleep at the wheel. He was, he yeah. was, you know, pedal to the floor all season and then breaks that record, and you know, like I said, I think we're going to have a guy or two from this class. We may not be able to predict who that is, but that in two years we're going to be saying, oh, yeah, you know, maybe it's Garrett Wilson, maybe the Jets, you know, they figured out this offense. There's a bunch of weapons. The offensive line looks good. And, you know, Garrett Wilson is that guy. Or Elijah Moore is that guy. You know, I don't want to, you know, kick him out just because a shiny new toy came in. Um Jameson Williams is going to be catching passes from, you know, CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, one of the top yeah. two quarterbacks in the league, probably. Um, so, yeah, we have a 
we have a lot going on and we still have guys like AJ Brown that can produce, you know, DK Metcalf. I mentioned these guys. What do you think, Drew? Do you think that um, one, both, or none of those guys are going to be in the top, uh, top 12? I voted. Yes. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think there is a strong enough bromance in both Buffalo and Los Angeles that, um, Josh Allen will continue to feed and lock in on his favorite target. I think uh, Matthew Stafford showed us what he and Cooper Cup could do this year uh, into the Super Bowl. Do I think that Cooper Cup is going to be winning the receiving triple crown again in the next two years? No. Uh, That was an historic season, which was uh, really fun to watch. But uh, do I think that they'll both be – and I'm going based on production here. I think they will both continue to produce as – wide receiver ones um, two years from now. I think, like you said earlier, Diggs should have a little bit of a bounce back more toward what his his average should be this year, and I think he can, can do that consistently for a couple more years because neither of these guys, uh, you know, their style of play is not going to limit them. Like you said, the talent's not going to diminish over the next two years. Um, if I'm concerned about one over the other, it's probably Cooper Cup where I think <coughs> lays it out on the line a little bit more maybe than Diggs does. Um, he's had to based on where he came from. But uh, I, I think there is a really good chance that both these Zs are producing as wide receiver ones two years from now, even with the influx. And even uh, you know, looking at where how these teams are building too, um, these guys are still pretty pretty well the alphas on their team versus uh, I look at a, a Jamar Chase who you know has a T. Higgins with him and still has a Tyler Boyd with him. He's, uh, you know... Will he not be a wide receiver one? No, he, he will probably be the wide receiver one still in two years. But that's becoming the model. You have Devon, you just talked about it going through AJ Brown and some of his competition in Philly and some of these guys that maybe had had targets more to themselves previously. Um, you know, with the influx, the targets will be spread around a little bit more. So I, I still think there's a good chance that they'll be producing as wide receiver ones in two years. Uh, part of it is I think I'm starting to, Rocky's starting to rub off on me here. and I'm, I'm getting behind some of the older guys as we go along, but. Uh. So, so I want to, I want to put a quick counter to that and then we got to get out of here. Cause we started late and we're already at an hour and 18 minutes. Cause we love what we do, but I feel like the Rams have been trying to do that and they haven't quite got, got it to work. And what I mean by that is it was Cooper cup and Robert Woods. And then they get OBJ. Now, obviously, what, the next day or two days later, Robert Woods gets hurt in practice and misses the rest of the year. Now it's Allen Robinson. It seems like Sean McVay does want multiple wide receiver weapons there. And I wonder if that is going to keep Cooper Cup. I actually saw an interesting stat on Twitter, and unfortunately I didn't remember to put it out there, so I apologize. Um but they put how many 150-plus target seasons Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson had. Cooper Cup has had one. Allen Robinson has had four. And that's just like an interesting stat. That's not me saying Allen Robinson is going to have more targets this year than Cooper Cup because I don't believe that. But it's interesting that, you know, Allen Robinson might take over some games. It's just like, hey, he's hot. Everybody's focusing on uh, on Cup. 
And, you know, they're leaving him open in space and they're letting that big body just catch those balls. And, you know, and who's going to be next year? Because it seems like the, the Rams have a very interesting, you know, they build their team in a very interesting way. And it's like, okay, like who's the wide receiver that didn't do what they were supposed to do? And let's pick that guy up. Odell Beckham last year, <laughs> Allen Robinson this year. And by the way, might be Odell Beckham too this year after he rehabs from his injury. He might he might just go back to the Rams and say, hey, I want to try to win a second Super Bowl. You know, so um, they have a very interesting team building approach. And, you know, I, I'll be curious to see. But, yeah, I think, unfortunately, I think the uh, the influx of talent is going to keep those two very talented quarter or quarterbacks, geez, wide receivers out of the top 12. But, uh, I love your arguments, Drew, because it does make a lot of sense. Like these are the alphas on their team, and it's not—it's not even really close. There's not a second guy that really worries you that you go, "Oh man, this guy could really uh, take away targets, take away you know the targeting percentage." And you know, there are some other guys you mentioned. Jamar Chase and, you know, we commend A.J. Brown, even D.K. Metcalf with Tyler Lockett. So there are some other guys that have yeah. to share the share Look at my, Miami, right? You got – we were feeling real good about Waddle and what he was going to get, and then they bring Tyreek in. Yeah. And they have Tua, which is just, you know, it's hurtful anyway. So, you know, now more talent with a lesser – be Yak heaven, baby. Yak heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He can't even hit Tyreek. You can't get yak if you can't get the ball in the guy's hands. Yeah, he doesn't um, need to be throwing 30 yards. Three. <laughs> three yards. Three yards. <laughs> three yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, I love it. I love it. But, Drew, I think that's it, right? That's all, yeah, man. That's all we got. That's all of them. All right. So we're out of here. Um, thank you to everybody in the chat. I, I love the chat, man. Chat is great. Um, it's exciting to see people in there, people chatting, people throwing things our way. Remember, if you're in the chat, you're watching us right now. Uh, remember to, to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Um, also, uh, you know, hit a thumbs up on it. Leave a comment if you want. Um, I try to check comments as, uh, as much as possible. Um, sometimes I, they do sit for a few days because I got a job and a family. Unfortunately, this isn't what I do for a living. So, um, but leave the comments. I, I love seeing the comments, uh, even if the comments are just like, hey, I think you're absolutely wrong about uh, Cooper Cup and Stefan Diggs, Josh. And I'll be like, hey, listen, I can I can respect where you're coming from. Um, if you're doing the podcast thing, uh, appreciate you guys, too, because an hour and 22 minutes is a long time. Uh, and you could be doing anything else. The weather's starting to get nice out there now, man. Um, I know in Tennessee, it's probably always a little bit nicer than uh, up here near Philadelphia, but um, it's starting to get nice out. You know, you want to be out with your, your friends and your family and you decided to listen to us and that's appreciated. Uh, make sure if you just kind of stumbled upon us and you're not subscribed, you know, catch that subscribe, man. That, that's that, uh, that makes us feel good inside. And then if you can rate and review, because I always talk about it, there's algorithms and I don't understand them and I probably never will, but um, apparently they help. And, you know, we just want to do this for as many people as uh, will allow us to. So uh, if you could do that, rate or review, uh, that would be uh, that would be awesome. 
And Drew, on that note, I think we're out of here. Late.